I apologize if I sound um, congested or if I sniffle. Spring sprung right in my face today. And oh. man, I sneezed like 300 times before I got on this call. So. I think, you, you know, I want to put like, you ever see the wire, like a wire brush ball? You ever see like the wire yeah. brush ball? I want to put one on each one of my drills and hold them into my eyes. That's how itchy my <laughs> eyes are. <laughs> that sounds terrible. My eyes are itch like crazy. I just yeah. spent half my day just like rubbing my eyes. I was on the porch yesterday. Just, just enjoying, I had my laptop on my lap and enjoying the nice weather and a little quick little breeze came through and i could see a rolling cloud of pollen just come right past mm. me and i yeah. was like yeah that's sweet the fleet of trucks is covered with yellow powder Everything. your fleet of trucks <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> do you have a name for your fleet of trucks because that'd be pretty awesome the gamorian guard because everything's black oh yeah. cool are all your people's up. black? I did not know that. I was all, yeah, didn't. everything that's like not a, a, a hunk of clunker. They, you know, like the new cars are all black. Mm -hmm. The Jeep, which Taylor has, is black. And the Mercedes, the new Mercedes, which are, was very cheap, by the way. It seems very expensive. It's cheap. <laughs> Goes back to a conversation we had before we started. <laughs> very inexpensive. That's uh, black. And my two Chevy trucks are black. Mm. I just, it's just my default color. When I see somebody driving a blue car, I think to myself, they could have picked any color, but they picked blue. That being said, I have a blue Chevy truck, but that was because I didn't feel like painting the interior door jams and stuff. I just kept it the color. Well, you know, I saw a car the other day. It was a, I think it was a Forerunner, one of the new Forerunners. And it was like, it was like this emerald green, kind of metallic, really mm. bright green. Mm -hmm. And it was a nice looking color, but when I saw it, I thought, man, they had to have gone out of their way to get that color. Like that's not sitting on the lot somewhere. That's right. like a, you pull out the swatch book and you say like, I want a special order of this one right here. And they're like, mm. okay, it's going to take nine months, but sure yeah. we can do it. Yeah. Which is, you know, cool. If you're going to pay that money, you should get the color you want for a car. Yeah. But yeah. then after they're done with it, is a car like that with a color that's kind of unique? A, it goes to a high school student. Oh, first yeah. car. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I guess I guess it could high school be students sold love down rather than I, I think of like selling a car kind of across, you know, as a way to get something else. But I guess Irish, if you run it long Irish enough, Irish high school student. <laughs> Irish people only like green cars, is what you're saying, right? No, that well, there was the when we bought the Jeep years ago, we were gonna. It was either black or that really. I don't know what, what that dark green, that like dark metallic green that the mm. Jeep makes. It's a kind of like a modern Jeep color, which is really cool. It's like the military green. It's like an army green, basically, yeah. with, with like a metallic. I really like that color. Every once in a while, I think, man, to have a Jeep like that would be cool. But then I look back at the 30 cars I own. I'm like, I don't need another car. You just paint one of the ones you already have that color. Yeah, that's a good idea, actually. <laughs> Yeah. No, I don't know. I just, I like black. Just seems like, just seems more timeless. Yeah. To me. Yeah. That's a good point. You know, a white, white car always looks like a dirty pair of shoes after a little while. Like when you go down <laughs> to Miami and you see an old man that's still wearing vinyl shoes and like with a buckle on them and you think to yourself, wow, those shoes probably look good about three weeks, at, you know, in the time frame when they were new, but then they have cracks and dirt in the crevices. And that's what I see when I see white cars. Over this holiday weekend, I actually had a free day 
And so I went out and was looking at the white cruiser. Did you take the engine out? No, I didn't. I took the um, pressure washer out and I pressure washed the white car because it's been sitting in the driveway for almost a year now and had yeah. that like layer of mildew or, you yeah. know, that kind Egg of corns stuff. and true um, stuff. Yeah. So I spent a long time just pressure washing <laughs> the car just to get it back to like a kind of gray. You know, <laughs> it's not really white <laughs> anymore, but. And then I called yesterday, just update. Yeah. I called yesterday and talked to the guy. What do you think he said? Any ideas? He said, it's still outside. We're going to do it tomorrow. <laughs> he said, they should have it this week. I'll call and find out. <laughs> and I said, cool. Are you going to call me back? And he was like, oh, yeah, we'll call you back. I said, do you have my number? And he said, let me look. <laughs> and then he was like, did you tell him? Did you tell him you have 5 million YouTube subscribers? I mean, sometimes <laughs> you got to flex a little bit. <laughs> Tell them the power of your Google review. Mm, yes. What you should do is you should have your assistant call. Yes. Oh. And then when he gets on the phone, have the assistant transfer it over to you just to make you look a little bit more important. <laughs> and by hello. assistant, you mean me call in a different voice and say, yeah. oh, yes, hold for Mr. Claggett, please. Mr. Yeah. Mr. Bob Claggett with 5 million YouTube subscribers. Hang on, please. <laughs> 5 million. A little inflated there. <laughs> then put them on hold. Yeah. Well. Anyway, still no car. Well, so what, what have you guys been up to? I started my pool table, thankfully. Well, I started the official build. I went yesterday morning and got a bunch of walnut, and I started gluing it up last night. So I, I did all those Instagram stories last night. So if anybody remembers, that's what time frame we're at. And today I'll continue that build. And it's going to move swiftly, and, and I... I haven't determined exactly what the bottom's going to be like, but last night after cutting all the wood and trimming it all up, I have a lot of cutoffs, a lot of walnut cutoffs. And that pile of walnut cutoffs gave me a really interesting idea on how to make the bottom. So I'm going with a, an industrial style. It's going to be walnut and black steel mixed together, a little bit of black architectural uh, blacksmith elements. And so I'm excited for that. I finally got like a direction, so... That that's not in the beginning. I was trying to emulate stuff that's already out there, and I was like, "Yeah, this is gonna just basically kind of copy." And like, I really got to bring what people might expect me to do. And we're gonna talk a little bit about audience today, but I started thinking like, I got to lean into what people might expect, and a little bit of steel, walnut, some blacksmith elements. Just real simple, not over, not overdone. And for me, it feels comfortable after thinking the design through, it feels comfortable. It's not me trying to make a classic cowboy style, like a saloon style pool table, which would take lots and lots of carving, which I might not even be capable of because it's so involved. At least not in the time frame. I was going to see and see a lot of the scroll carving, but I'm just going to eliminate all the scroll carving because I just don't have the time and it just mm. doesn't feel comfortable. So I'm going to go with, again, this industrial style look. And I'm going to use up a lot of those walnut cutoffs, which determine the concept that I have for the bottom. So, yeah, it's exciting. I'm get that done. And uh, this week I'm going to put out the video. I've been editing it. We've been talking about that. The edit for the tractor. Rob Rojas and I restored a... We, we didn't need to do much. We recovered. It was in somebody's yard that had been sitting there for years a John Deere 
bulldozer from 1953. So we've been showing a little bit of that on Instagram. So that's ready to go. So that video will be out this weekend. It'll be the first time I posted in almost a month because I've been moving wow. so much. Yeah. Welcome back. Thank you. No, it feels <laughs> it's like a little. I'm a little nervous. Like I haven't done any shorts or reels or anything. Well, my guys are doing shorts of old content, but as far as Instagram, I haven't done any reels. Every night I'm like, should I do a reel? And I try to think of something, and I'm like. I might have a new idea. I'm trying to think of like a new little series to do on the band. So I might do animal profiles, maybe. Oh, that's like interesting. Silhouettes. Silhouettes. Yes. Oh, yeah. I, I was thinking about doing silhouettes of, of makers. So hmm. everybody Here's send me a profile. side profile. Yep. Nope. Send me a side profile, everybody. And I will profile makers. Profile. We don't, so I <clears throat> speaking of silhouettes, we have this. Um, this is just a tangent, but. We have these framed silhouettes in our bathroom. So this was my grandparents' house, and uh, they had these on the wall, and we just kept them because we really like them. And there's two separate frames. One is of my grandparents. One is of my dad and his two brothers. And I guess when they were you know, young teens or something, they went to Gatlinburg, and this probably would have been in the late 50s, maybe. And there was a guy, apparently on the street corner that was just doing paper cut silhouettes and um, they just had these done. But saying that doesn't really do justice to how accurate they are. Did we already talk about this? I feel like we talked about this recently. No, but I remember seeing no. them at, the, at your place. Yeah. Man, I could have sworn we had this conversation. Weird. Anyway, they're really accurate to the details of all five of those people, like knowing them, I can look at them and say, yes, that's who that is. And it's just weird that somebody could do that in the moment with what I assume is probably just like an exacto knife. You know, I mean, there was no, there was no technology it, to it. It was I've just seen, somebody. I've seen guys do it with a pair of scissors. When that's I was so a kid, wild. there was a show called Wonderama with Bob McAllister. You guys are babies. You wouldn't remember that. But they had a guy on who could look at somebody. They always had uninteresting craft people. And the guy with just a big pair of scissors and he's just pulling the scissors. He's just a piece of black paper looking at somebody just moving the scissors and through the piece of paper and then boom. He never like disengages the cutter the whole time the cut is making one mm -hmm. long line and he's spinning the paper completely 90 and 80 and 180 degrees the whole time until it's I remember whoever he was looking at. It's incredible. Wow. It's almost like I remember a, it's almost in like kindergarten a, a gift, you know, almost like a like a like the way Rain Man can count matches. It's like one of those type of gifts. Mm -hmm. When I was in either kindergarten or first grade, I remember uh, a lady came in and did silhouettes of everybody in the class. And I I don't remember how it was made. I think it was paper, and I but I don't remember the technique. And I remember everybody went home with a black silhouette of their head. Wow. I don't have mine anymore. But Why I don't not? know if that was a common thing that happened to other people, or Woodmore Elementary was was just extra special. Huh. Yeah, no, I don't ever remember having anything like that. It's pretty wild, though, looking at these and just thinking about how, you know, not having seen the guy do it, I just don't know how he did it, because there's... They're not very big. I mean, there's maybe three brothers' heads in like a probably four or five foot, four or five inch square frame. And they have details like interior details. Like my dad has glasses. And so they cut, you know, an inside line 
sharp lines where the the side piece and the down piece of the glasses are. Wow. And, you know, it's I, I just don't know how they did it. It's really, really cool. It'd be interesting to watch somebody do that by hand at this point in the same way and see how they do it. But I'm going to do it on the band, so I think. Yeah, that'd be cool. Do you think you have, like, I know me personally, I wouldn't have the... Uh, I don't. I don't know what you call it. Like the translatability to be able to look at something and nope. then, and carry that. <laughs> <in>. Okay. <laughs> nope. I'm gonna Photoshop it and make a line. Oh yeah. Okay. It's my Epson printer to assist. Yeah. That yeah, makes sense. Yeah. I don't have uh. You know. That's sixth sense. I can't count matches when you throw them on the ground. Well, some people are really good at at looking at an image and even if they don't copy it, you know, or like redraw it or cut it or whatever, like point for point, they can see the thing that makes it unique and they can, they can replicate the thing, you know, the nose or the thing that makes you identify the original subject. And I, I don't, I see the whole thing. I don't see like the parts that, that stand out, I guess. Yeah. It's funny when you see a cartoonist take somebody and they expand on their Mm. features they see somebody like it's just crazy. I, when I went to the School of Visual Arts, and there was a big cartooning department, and every every day, every year, there was shows in this one particular hallway, and it was a caricature class, and you'd see famous people drawn in like ten different ways, and every one of them was hilarious. So that's my that's my dog coughing. So abstract, but yet it looks exactly like whoever Arnold Schwarzenegger. But each one of them so individually abstracted from the reality of somebody's face, but just so incredibly fun, funkily, in a funky way done. Yeah. Is your so, dog okay? Yeah, she's just coughing. She's okay. Hmm. They're just sitting here next to me on a pillow beside me. Gotcha. They're good. Chip and pepper. David, what have you been up to? Well, this morning I just put out a video on... It's kind of like a shop tour, but it's hmm. the... We added up the price of all the tools I paid versus all the tools that were given to me. And I've been very nervous to put out this video because mm. I, uh, in the video, I have a little ticker, uh, paid versus given. And I had no idea that the given was so much. Um, <laughs> and it was, Don't it was, forget, little... anybody could have that. You just got started YouTube. Uh, yeah. So it was, it was interesting. So that video just went out this morning so i'm very curious to see what the comments are uh, I, i'll I, read you a couple right now hang on <laughs> i'd rather not i'd rather keep my spirits up um, <laughs> and so uh we also we did another one of the silly videos where i bought every ad on facebook and then those products come in and we review and we just shot another one of those which are always fun because there's always uh, you see these horrible, cheap advertisements for these products, and sometimes they're good, and a lot. Sometimes the good ones I find out are ripoffs of other companies. Mm. Um, so there's this corner clamp in this particular one, which is a direct ripoff of Craig. In previous videos, there were some some jigs that were good, but they were a direct ripoff of, of woodpeckers. Sometimes I realize that they're ripoffs, and sometimes the commenters will let me know that they're ripoffs. So it's, it's been interesting. And then um, we made some candy dishes. I went to, we have a, 
Libby Glass is here in Toledo. They're a huge glass maker of glassware and bowls and dishes and all kinds of stuff. And they have an outlet store. And you can get glass so cheap here in Toledo. Like if you go to the outlet store, you can get a uh, like heavy duty glasses and dishes are like a dollar a piece. That's like they're so cheap wow. where you buy them on Amazon and you buy a set and it's like 40 bucks. So we went and I got a few of those dishes that I wanted to make wood lids for. So draw out the pat like draw out the pattern on a wood, rough cut it out on the bandsaw, double sided tape it to the glass dish, use a pattern bit on the router to make the lid, and then use a rabbiting bit to so it insets inside. And just made a quick little video of like you don't need a lot of tools to and you don't have to be super creative to make something that's kind of cool. So shot one of those. And I think it'll be a, uh, it'll be a very short, quick video, but, and then there's some bigger projects in the works, but I haven't figured out how to shoot them yet. Like I'm trying, like, I'm trying to get away from just like the, like, here's a, here's a build video, step-by-step step, beginning, middle, end. Like I feel like there needs to be some stakes. Like I'm trying to find an art show or something where there's a deadline to help me to give the video a little bit more, you know? And, uh, so before I start the one project, I want to, I want to add some stakes to it. And I think it would be just a little bit more fun, a little bit more challenging for me and trying, just trying to get a little bit more creative in the storytelling. So I'm putting a little more thought into the idea process. Yeah. Yeah. We, um, <clears throat> had a, really long conversation at the office yesterday. Um, Josh has been doing like a whole bunch of um, analytic work, like looking back at our analytics and comparing things and, you know, trying to like just have some data that we can look at. Um, but that spawned a whole conversation about, about building in a story idea and mm -hmm. how we are at the same time right now are trying to, figure out the we're making a bunch of decisions before making a video and we're also trying to make a bunch of decisions after making the video about the title and thumbnail and the they're two like really big processes to try to think through and then in conversation yesterday realizing that both of those are affecting each other like if you if you kill an idea at the very beginning because you don't know where the story is, then you don't let the story become. And then sometimes you can use the title and thumbnail as a way to, to like help that story come out. Mm -hmm. But if you just go into making whatever video you want to make, and then you rely only on the title and thumbnail to do all the work of getting somebody interested in, like you're kind of hamstringing yourself, you know? So it's, it's, I don't know. Interesting. We spent a lot of time talking about that, particular thing about the um how to find the story in something that wants to be made or something i want to make you know like how yeah take it past just wanting to make it yeah for those of you who don't know like youtube shows you how long people watch the video so you get to see like when people are dropping off and like you might have the best thumbnail in the world and you get um you know a million people clicking through but if they don't they only watch the first couple of minutes there's something wrong with the video so like it's very focused on on satisfaction so I'm tr you know i'm always trying to think of 
more interesting ways to do a, a typical build video to make it a little more, more challenging for myself. And I kind of like the idea of trying to add a story to a project to a, a reason to do something like I, I see a lot of Jimmy's projects and there's a reason why he's building these things. He he needs this particular thing. And I look at a, a lot of my past projects and there's not really a reason to make another cutting board. There's mm. not a reason that I'm making that. Like, let's make it a little bit more interesting for myself and for the viewers. That's okay, nice. so I want to probe on that for a second because that's, that's really interesting to me. So when I think of Jimmy and I think of me, he? I think of a lot of times we make the things that are like we have a particular use for or it's, you know, there's some thing that has spawned the idea mm -hmm. but a lot of your stuff is is from my perspective it feels like art for the sake of art which yeah. is valuable in an entirely different way so i agree with think, that yeah i think are you, you gonna are you gonna I like have the, ex the exploratory nature of a lot of your work Dave. yeah like thank you yeah like exploring that, and trying to figure out more about yourself as an artist which i think is really valuable thank you do you think that trying to have a reason for all of those things might hamper some of the just creative like just because uh, no no not i don't think it will hamper the creative process at all i think it's um how do i put this if i if i make something that is for the sake of its beauty and i know and i plan it all out and i film the whole thing and i know how it's going to come out what's the challenge in that for me you know I already know how it's going to be. So if I challenge myself to have a, a, a purpose or, or a reason, or if there's an unknown in there, mm. it, it just makes it a little bit more interesting to me. I'm a little bit more excited about the thing that I'm doing. Like I, I want there to be an unknown to me. I want there or there to be a, a deadline or something just just so I'm a little bit more excited during the project. And when I, I like you. you, you see, watch Mark Rober. Like he's so excited about what he's doing. He's, there's a, um, he's teaching, but there's always this, this, this big ending. Like there's this, this, this reveal or, um, I just want to add the excitement for myself. Yeah. So I yeah. continue enjoy what I'm doing. Cool. Yeah, that makes sense. If I'm not pushing myself, I'm not, I'm going to get very bored. Here's a suggestion because I live the life. Make something for somebody else and make them pay you thousands of dollars for it. So this way the pressure well, is 50 times more. <laughs> funny, funny thing about that. And my, uh, I have this little series where I go to the thrift store and I take something and I transform yeah. it. I got a school desk that I took and I completely restored it. I put it up on Facebook Marketplace. It has not sold. Like I put it up for, and the idea was I would take the money from that project and that would be the budget for the next project and then, then just move on down the line. I put it up at $200. It was there for a week. It did not sell. Uh, so now it's at $150. And I'm like, ah, no, no, no bites on but, this at all. But since, also- since we're, we're talking about our audience. Why wouldn't you try and offer it to the audience itself? It feels. Is there, is there a is there a psychological hold up there? Yeah, for sure. I mean, first of all, it feels like cheating. If I said, "Hey, this is for sale up on my website," yeah, yeah. Also, this it's a big school desk. Here. I can't ship this thing without building a crate for it. So you say, I ain't come got pick time it to build up. a crate. Local, I ain't got time for that. Local <laughs> pickup. There's got to be someone in Toledo that likes you. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's possible. I mean, let's hope, but, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or at least a 300 miles to conference, so, you know, well, whatever. He, three hour, three hour. Well, here's the thing. I just announced it here on the podcast. So, as Bob pointed out, we we get uh, uh, a quarter of a million listeners every month on the podcast. So, th- this has just yeah. gone out to a whole bunch of people. Maybe one of you live in Toledo. No, I mean, Speaking I, I would, of, I wouldn't feel any shame whatsoever because people support you and they want to support you. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I do it's understand. A be- it's a beautiful thing, David. I do understand the impulse, like that the thing that you're pushing back against in doing that. I do understand that. I I would feel the same thing, but I think you also in in deciding that you are an artist and going that direction, <clears throat> you have to. I would think you would have to realize that people who like you as an artist, you uh, like the things that you make would want the opportunity to be able to buy a piece of your art directly from you. And that's an entirely different thing than what I do and what I would do with the things that I make. But I also don't put myself in that same category and I don't think of myself in the same way, but you do Mm -hmm. for good reason. And I think selling your art to the people who like you as an artist is one of those things that you're probably going to have to get comfortable with. You know what I mean? If that's yeah. the direction that you are moving, even though I can say that as someone who would absolutely not be comfortable with it. <laughs> like, I get it. Yeah. But yeah, it seemed, that seems like a logical place to be able to, I don't want to say unload that thing, but you know what I mean? Like right, to right, right. reinvest it. Yeah. Or whatever that works. There's a, there's also the, <clears throat> The struggle. I took a, I took a school old school desk, and then I refinished or I, I I redid all the wood. All the wood is new. I had some fun doing it because there were some big curves in there, and I had to use some bent pl- bent lamination. And for me, it was a whole process. But when I look at the beginning or the before and after photos, I'm like, there was not much of a transformation there. There's a reason this video just did average mm. because it didn't what's uh, there's nothing remarkable about it that's a word that i've been enjoying lately like that's what makes me a little nervous about doing car videos because what's remarkable i believe people are interested in seeing on my channel like a pile of material become something else or something but when i do a car restoration video it starts out as a car and ends up as a car yeah yeah a little bit more cleaner but you know we try and solve all the problems (laughs) and that's what makes me a little nervous about doing like the tractor video that we're about to put out but it is what it is. It's still going to be informative to 20,000 people, and that's all that matters. <laughs> well, I think... I'm that, joking. That's, a, that's all I'm going to get is 20,000. Well, that's years. a good point, though. Like, And I did want to kind of talk about audience today, and I think that would lead to it. I haven't really done anything super interesting over the last week. Nothing of note, so I'm not going to interrupt this with what I did. But mm-hmm. <clears throat> basically, we um, in in talking to Josh doing all this research and going through analytics... One of the interesting things in there is that YouTube will tell you who your competitive channels are. It's not it's not competitive, that's the wrong word, but it's like people who watch you also watch these people. And it's like three pages of maybe 10 channels per page or five channels per page, I don't remember. And so it's a lot of a lot of other channels that, you know, people who watch you watch these people. And so you can start to 
kind of think what are the diff- differences and similarities between us and them and why is there a crossover between you know the thing that was really interesting that he pointed out yesterday is that neither one of you are on that list oh i think you're on mine that's weird what um or at least on maybe the first page or something what? i don't know the specifics but the thing that's really interesting about that discussion was that we, I think all of us as creators, people who create anything, not just YouTube stuff, you make anything, you have an ideal audience, the people that you think are your audience. But the truth is you may have, it's very possible that you have a different audience than you think. And so we've realized that we probably have been assuming that our audience was one thing and that audience was dissatisfied with the videos that we've been putting out. But it turns out, I think those people are actually a different group of people. And then you get into the kind of, well, do I cater what I'm doing to the existing audience? And David, I think you said this a little while ago, or do you make the things that you want for the audience that you want, whether it's the current audience or not, you know, I think, um, uh, I, in this course that I took, you know, last fall, it was there was a big section of this of trying to define your audience, and there is a, there 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 is an overlap of like this thing that you want to do, but also this thing that your audience wants you to do, and that there is a there's a little overlap there because if you only do what you want to do, that's fine, but if you want to make a living, if you want to make if you, we do this for money, um, you sometimes have to compromise. That's not, it's probably not the right word, but you have to compromise and do what your audience wants to, for their satisfaction. And so there, there, there is yeah. this, this, this overlap. And so if I only did art, if I only did the things that I wanted, <clears throat> I think I would upset a lot, a lot of people. So, well, one of the words that we got to that, yesterday in that conversation was reframing. And I think it kind of works with what you're saying there. So if I have a thing that I want to make because I'm Bob and I have a certain set of interests and motivations, that's fine. Like you're saying, I can just make that thing, but it's only going to hit people who are very, very similar to me. And so we started talking about with the kind of pre-production and the thumbnail, how do we reframe that idea so that the idea is more broadly appealing, even though I get to make the same thing along the way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which That's is kind of that overlap, that intersection of those two things. And so... Um, Can I, I want to interject. I think maybe a lot of it, whether it's this audience or that audience, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I don't worry too much about it as long as there is an audience. You understand? So if I think I'm going for, you know, overweight Home Depot guys with beards <laughs> seems, to be, seems to be me and everybody that i meet i mean i'm full right in that category um and then you find out that it's women that like to knit for instance you know my friend anya says she's a knitter and we met in we met in person over in england she's not turning on table saws and stuff but as long as there is an audience when the when the like we think because the numbers are lower or that, that we're not hitting the right audience. I think it's just the content in general, maybe just wasn't appealing to the algorithm and so you don't get suggested. So 
I'm just happy there is an audience. It doesn't matter who it is. Yeah. yeah it, it could be could be schoolgirls, Catholic schoolgirls. You know, it doesn't matter. As long as people are watching and getting some fun entertainment out of it in a positive, uplifting way, it doesn't have to be fat white guys from Home Depot. That Yeah, I don't, I don't, and I don't think what I'm talking about, audience, I'm not, I'm not talking about a demographic at all. Yeah. What I'm talking about is an interest. So, like, if you... Ooh. If you're making a, I don't know. Yeah, like woodworkers versus auto repair guys. You're talking about like a demographic of people that are looking. Well, not not a demographic, but an interest group. No, oh, well, I even, meant to, even that's a right. loaded thing to say. But like that's what a, I meant to say. Not a demographic. A group of but people a, who are interested in the, in a topic. Right. A topical group. Let's say that. So you you know you can target a a topical group. Like I want to make, I don't know, wooden tables, and so. Then you can say, well, uh, you know what, I'm just going to make the wooden table I want and put it out there and hope that those people find it. Or do I find a way to be in the place where other people who like wooden tables are going to be? What are they looking for? What are they interested in? What other connective tissue are they, you know, are they searching for or are they watching that's like, are they into the joinery of the wooden table? Are they into trees and species? Are they, I don't, I don't know. I'm just making this up off the top of my head, but how do you find those people? I'm thinking of like bourbon law thing, thing that Keith you want. Johnson and I'm thinking like guys like that. Yeah. Like, and then how do you tailor the table that you want to make the video around that to hit those ancillary points? So you have the most, the highest likelihood of getting your video in front of those people who have a similar interest. And so that's what I'm thinking about when I'm talking about audience. Like we found, <clears throat> Josh found through all this research that he did, that our biggest kind of interest topic is taking uh, furniture, shop stuff, home renovation, and adding some sort of a plus to it, like a a tech plus, you know, giving it some sort of an, an electrical, electronic addition or some sort of a stylistic, you know, Star Wars flair or something like that. And that was the crossover of the biggest group of people for us. And so that doesn't mean that we should just do that now, but it means that every time I come up with an idea, we should say, okay, well, can we plus it? Can we add a tech thing to it? Can we add a, you know, a prop feel to it just to, to not only grab the people who are into the, um, the home renovation, but also the people who are into the prop side or into the electronics side, you know, and it was really interesting. And we, it, it started making me take my, the ideas that I'm already working on for upcoming videos and be like, okay, well, instead of just going with idea number two on this path, what about if I pause there and how can I make idea two into idea three or four or five and like add the things to it to be able to hit the broader, the bigger overlapped audience, you know? And so I think you could do that in a bunch of different ways. You could do that with like the technical side of it, what it is you're making. You could do it with, like you're saying, David, with the story, um, you know, by broadening, you know, not just the desk, but the desk and add some nostalgia to it. So the people that grew up with that kind of desk has some sort of a connection or, you know, I don't know. The other thing too yeah. is you want to, and in my opinion, I think what you want to do is also create word of mouth. Like one thing I, one thing I 
for me, for instance, I don't ever want to waste anybody's time. So my edits are really fast. I try to make them quick. I watch something, I'm like, this is boring me, and I shot it. So I speed it up, cut it out, get rid of the superfluous conversation. Anytime I go, wait wait a minute, um, you know what I think? Uh, what we should do is, I cut all the beginning of that sentence out. So it just goes to, what I think we should do is, and then it makes me seem smarter and wittier. And then that, um, ah, <laughs> uh, um, e, yeah. uh, that, because the people will be like, oh God, this is guy's so annoying. So I try and speed my stuff up for the audience so that the audience has word of mouth, like, he's not going to waste your time. Mm-hmm. And someone like, for instance, Casey Neistat, we all go to Casey for the beautiful, interesting, you know, driving through traffic and all of his beautiful cinematography. I mean, that's why I keep revisiting Casey Mosley for interest. And plus he has fun adventures. So you try and think of what is that thing that's going to keep people coming back? Like the fun adventures, the diversity, the not going to waste anybody's time. I promise I'm going to show you almost everything, but it's going to be worth your time to sit through the speeded up stuff. It's funny you bring up Casey Neistat because Bob's pick last week was uh, Casey's interview with uh, the the channel Digital Spaghetti, Jack, Jack, what's his last name? Jack Kanye? Conte. Conte. And in that interview, Casey, he he's asking like, uh, Jack is asking Casey like about retention and analytics. Casey's like, I don't know. I don't look at any of that. He's like one of the very mm-hmm. few creators that doesn't care who his audience is and doesn't care wow. about the analytics. And he is, He's making pure art. He's like the he's like the guy in the basement, like whittling ducks with no audience at all. I can make I can make an analogy there. I mean, obviously that would be nice for all of us not to worry about our audience because there's such a big audience. I mean, he's he's a great well, creator. That's why we keep talking about him. But I I make the analogy of like I stop balancing my checkbook when I know there's just going to always be enough money in the bank. <laughs> well, and and he doesn't I mean, have to check his analytics because he's always just going to be enough audience in the bank. Yeah, yeah. Like true. It, I don't want this to sound cynical at all. That's not yeah. my intent. But if I sold a company for several million dollars and was sitting on that i wouldn't care about what the audience was asking for or <laughs> saying either i would just make the thing that i wanted to make and hope that but, it's useful to people you know what but i mean i, like, mean, and, I think that's cool because what he makes is great, great. It's what fantastic he makes is great. and i'm i'm happy for him to be able to do that for sure but i think that it, there is a little bit of a difference there i personally he, don't i personally don't spend too much time checking the analytics only because i honestly feel i have no control over it yeah I personally feel like it's not because I think I have enough money in the bank. I just feel like I have no control and I can just do, and I keep leaning on right or wrong. I keep leaning on, okay, what I've done got me here. What I've done got me here. Maybe there's like a little, a little twists and turns and a little bit of adventure. And, you know, I, I build a big barn and, you know, expand my, my workspaces and try and step outside my comfort zone to try and get better at everything. But in general, I just keep leaning on like, I don't know. I don't know how I can turn the ship. I can just keep doing what I know works for me. To turn the ship in a big way, like the way maybe Mr. Beast had done. This, what a lot of people don't know about Mr. Beast is that he was just doing, I think he was doing video game videos, playing video games Minecraft, or something. Yeah. And then suddenly, you know, Casey does a great interview with him right in the beginning when he really started popping. And he's like, here's a video from you from a year ago. It's got 10,000 views or not even that many what happened and like so obviously uh you know to make a big shift like that i don't i don't i don't know how i would do it i really don't know i just got to keep doing what works for me well and i think that looking at the analytics can be 
I mean, this was another point of conversation yesterday as well, is like it can be um, a blessing and a curse because from one perspective, you have all this. If you take the time, which I don't take the time, I asked Josh to do this because this is not <laughs> something I'm interested in. If you take the time to go through and analyze it, you start to get a better idea of what has worked very specifically in a video, what parts of videos have worked, which videos have worked, or who are they hitting with, who are you, who are your audience also watching. You can get that idea, but then that can either be like, oh, well, now we know who to who to target, how to do things, how not to do things. Or it can be like, oh, no, now we have to change everything we're doing to meet these people. And that sounds terrible. Like, I don't want to do that. But having all that information can be a big crutch or it can be just a point of reference that then you use to make some choices, you know, so... I then when you when you add in like having no control really other than just consistency is really the only control I think we all have. If, then somebody changes your thumbnail and suddenly the video blows up. You're like, wait a minute, it's the same video. Yeah, yeah. So like, there's another like complete wild card factor. If I looked at my analytics and I I was like, okay, these are my top five performing videos in the last five years. I should double down on that. I don't want to do that because those. Those videos are the 10 best, 10 best, jump, uh, 10 best butt joint methods, uh, how to do box joints. They are, those videos are actually really easy. If you're, if you're a, a new YouTuber and you want to do this for a living, do the 10 best, this 10 best, that how to do this, how to do that. I get no enjoyment out of those whatsoever. So I'm going against my analytics to do more because I want to be challenged. I want to. I really want to enjoy this, and I want oh, to Dave, do this you, as long as I one can. One thing I wanted to, I wanted to give you just an idea, and anybody listening, an idea. You want to be challenged. You want client work, without just casting a wide net. Walk into a bar or a restaurant and say, "What do you need?" I need chairs. a video. I want a real all those chairs to. that are broken and wobbly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it could be that, or it could be. Oh, you know, when the waiters come over here, they need this thing. They need to put their computer here and this here. It's always a bottleneck. If you walk into any restaurant, because that's what I did a lot of the times in New York City, any restaurant or bar, you must have a couple of bars that you're familiar with. I know I know you like to kick back every once in a while. Go in, especially if it's a familiar place, go in and say, what can I do? Yeah. Give me a real job. And, you know, maybe you do it for free simply because you just want a real client experience because you want the video and you want to build something interesting. But that would give you that challenge that you're looking at. Because now not only not only are you making it for you for your video, but you want to make sure that they're happy, even if they're not paying for it. Yeah. You don't want to bring them something and then go, oh, thanks for the waiter station, Yeah, the, 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 the problem with that is talking to strangers. I do not like talking oh. to strangers. <laughs> Having to leave the house. To leave, I got to leave the house? Are you kidding me? <laughs> let me? Let me ask Kelly what she wants. No, no, I do. <laughs> no, it's like, it's like that guy that knocks on someone's door and he's like, hey, yeah. um... Uh, is it okay if I mow your lawn? I'm not going to charge you anything. Yeah, the, that is really interesting. There's um, there's like a series of videos. I don't know who the the dude is, but he like knocks on uh, wealthy people's doors and asks them what they do for a living, and it's turned into like this great series. But that oh wow, uh, that would be um, what you just said would be a, an amazing series that would probably do very well. Just walk into a restaurant yeah. or a bar. I'm telling you, because I know you have hundreds of patterns throughout a restaurant or a bar. And there's so many solves that they just don't know anybody. Like, you know, they have a handyman that fixes the drains. That's it. Like, can you, Bill, can you? And then that's when you see, like, 
walk through any restaurant or any bar and you see those like stupid L brackets that you buy from Home Depot <laughs> screwed in with four different screws to hold something in place. Yeah. You know, there's always these makeshift things because bartenders are not makers in general and waitresses are not makers in general, waiters and waitresses in general. So you have all, and then the other thing too is it's like nobody invests the time and energy because they're like, let's just do like some little fix them, fix them up here. But if you can come in and give them nice solutions to their, to their circular activity, solve some problems, and then you get a cool video and you get a real life client job. And then you get probably free, free food for a couple of months. That's what I need is more food. Um, well, any other thoughts on the audience stuff? I, I think it does translate. I, it feels weird talking about the the back end of YouTube, but it does translate to the the person who makes farmhouse tables and tries to sell farmhouse tables. Do you really enjoy making the same table over and over and over again, or do you want to? Because uh, you know it sells, or do you want to expand and and do a trestle table next time and and see? So yeah. I think the audience also expands to customer base if you're making stuff yeah. for a living. Yeah. But it but. To be fair, there are people that really enjoy making the same thing over and over. I don't get those. <clears> so I don't want to like, I, I, I don't get it either, but I don't want to squash that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah, that's yeah. something bad. It's just a different thing than what we do, you know. There's no doubt those are the same <clears throat> people that enjoy sanding. <laughs> yeah, probably. I don't get those people. Um, So I, I, we, earlier you said something about, and Jimmy, you said something about, um, people in Toledo wanting David's desk and all you had to do was put that call out there last week you asked for emails about my engine rebuild did anybody write you an email oh yeah I was going to talk to you about that nobody wrote you an email nobody wrote me an email <laughs> I knew it <laughs> I knew it kidding no I didn't unless it's in the in the filter I could look now hold on mm. let me see I'm going to open up the junk no, no, no. Be like, I, I, Bob's I engine repair Bob's engine repair Bob's I engine don't really want anybody to do it but I was just curious if you had gotten a response who do you want your audience to be who do you want to me? make yeah oh man I just want it to be anybody and everybody uh, do you really want it yeah, to be I, anybody and everybody because sure does it feel like a community if if everybody watches your videos or if like-minded people watch your video like i, I feel like <clears throat> if i don't really want it depends on what you mean by like-minded what i would for me personally what i would prefer is if the people who were seeing our videos were people who um who didn't have didn't grow up with the opportunity to make the things that they wanted to have for whatever reason and never got the opportunity to experiment with building things and using tools i want somebody who always had an interest but never had an opportunity to see something that we do and be like oh well maybe it's time i actually like do the thing that i was interested in whether it's building stuff or something else and i think that's the the aspirational thing that i want people to take away and for them to be able to take that way away from our videos, that means there has to be a gap in them somewhere that they didn't get to try the thing, or they were never encouraged to build stuff, or they were never given the opportunity to use tools or experiment or problem solve. Or that's who I want my audience to be. Hmm. You know, like I, I'm not skilled enough to 
teach a skilled craftsperson to do something better. That's not what I do. And I don't, I wouldn't presume to like teach woodworkers how to woodwork better. That's just not me. Um, and I hope they find something valuable in what we do as well, but I don't, that's not who I'm aiming at, hmm. you know, but at the same time, like, I don't know how you, when you take kind of an abstract group of people like that, who, who are only connected necessarily through an abstract idea, like how do you target that group of people? How do you find those? That's, that gets back know. to me just being like, I don't think I have any control over it. I just got to put out content that's fun and funny and interesting and educational. And then if, if a grandma that never picks up tools loves it, that's great. And if guys like us like it, that's great. And if guys in third world country get inspired by it, did I ever tell you the story? This is a funny, funny, funny story. Maybe I've told you this, and I'm sorry if you heard it again, but for the people that haven't heard it, my buddy was in Thailand getting a foot massage at a fancy hotel. And he lived, we, we lived in New York City together for, not, you know, he was a friend from New York City. He still lives in New York City. And this is like five years ago. <clears throat> he was getting a foot massage from a local guy who does foot massages at a hotel, I have no idea, in Thailand. And the gentleman said to him, where do you live? And Chris says, I'm from New York City. He goes, oh, my favorite YouTuber is from New York City. Jimmy DeResta, do you know him? <laughs> Chris said he nearly fell off of the chair. He couldn't believe it. And he sent me a message wow. within, a, within a couple of minutes. You know, the time difference was drastic, but I was awake. And I sent him a picture back and he sent me a picture back. So like in a second, this guy like connected with me, just literally randomly mentioning my name to Chris that is getting a foot massage in the lobby That's of a amazing. hotel in Thailand with like, you know, linen curtains blowing it was like this real romantic scene and it's just amazing like i wouldn't know that huh. this person in thailand was my audience who does foot massages i should do a foot massage video now <laughs> yeah you totally should <laughs> but that's a true story and it's just crazy huh. just don't, you just don't know who's watching yeah. But Chris said, he goes, I, the guy started and he goes, within 10 seconds, your name was mentioned. He goes, I couldn't believe it. He goes, I was just so flabbergasted. It was a really funny story. That's pretty wild. Uh, David, who do you want your audience to be? I what Who I really want them to be is creative. I wish it was a whole, uh, just an audience of nothing but artists. People who just make things and like seeing things being made for the fun of it. Um, that's not possible. I, I think most of the audience is people who just enjoy the entertainment of seeing builds, whether they're creative or not. And then there's a part of the audience who's looking to actually learn something. But yeah, I I, I wish the audience was 5 million David Petrudos. That's who I want the audience to be. That'll, that'll never happen, but yeah. Because there's only one David Petrudo. There's only one David Petrudo. Actually, there might be more. I don't know <laughs> if anybody shares your name, but there's only one like you. Yeah. Like, I, I, um, I, uh, I, I struggle with Jimmy's, like, I just want everybody to, to watch. It's like, uh, I would have more fun going to Coachella than I would going to the state fair because. Coachella is more like-minded people than than the state fair. I could just picture you in a white cowboy hat with a fringy skirt on. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's all. Yeah. 
Okay. Also, although, cool. I, I, just for clarity, I will never go to Coachella. That's too many people to be around. <laughs> or the state, or the state, or the state, or the state. Cool. Well, I'm going to thank our Patreon supporters, um, who allow us to not go to state fairs and stay home and not have to interact with a whole lot of people. They are supportive, and we really appreciate them. Big thanks to everybody over there that helps us out, um, especially our top supporters. Corey Ward, Albers Woodworks, Works by Solo, Chad from Mancrafting, Chad's Custom Creations, Rich at Lowen Designs, Odin Leather Goods, Scott Orham, The New Janky Workshop, Stu Morrison, Warren Works, Michael Manedge, and The Web Branch Woodworks, and Crabtree Creative. Mm-hmm. But Thank also you. people like Tom Funk. He's one of our, that's an actual person with a cool last name. Um, there's a lot of people to help us out over there, and they all get the after show. We are very grateful for all of them. So if you want to, <clears throat> well, there's one on here named Stark's Lagoon. Now, I wonder if that's a name or if that's like a business. I guess it's a name, and that's a really cool name. Stark's Lagoon. It is a good, that's, I'm stealing that. Changed my YouTube channel to Stark's I like your name. Lagoon. Stark's Lagoon. Um, if you want to join that crew and get the after show, go to patreon.com slash making it. And if you have a really cool name, maybe I'll say it on the show sometime because I like cool names. Yeah, I, I follow uh, Starks and I talk. He's, he's a good dude. Oh, yeah? He's been cool. a big fan for a long time. Right on. Well, tell him he's got a cool name. Yeah. Um, so, side note real quick before we do uh, the next thing. What what platform do you think has the coolest usernames? I have. There's one that I think has the best users. Reddit. Have you ever thought about this? Reddit. Do what? Reddit. 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 <laughs> yeah. Oh. Okay. Well, I've never really compared that one. Um. I don't know. YouTube. Hmm. Tinder. I don't know. <laughs> so, in my experience, I don't have Tinder experience, but I don't um, either. <laughs> uh, Instagram has like just the best usernames and I don't know why I'm not sure there are good usernames on all platforms but there's something about the ones that I come across on Instagram that are just really clever or funny and the one that comes to mind is somebody that's been following I think all of us for a long time Turbo Butt 3000 <laughs> it's just like I, you're listening right now I almost guarantee that he's listening right now and I, I love that username I don't know why but that's one of the ones that stucks out that has stuck out to me Anyway, <clears throat> thanks for spawning that conversation, Starks. I appreciate it. Do you guys have anything to recommend this week? Yeah, the Lucas yeah, County I'm... Fair. <laughs> Is that really a thing? Uh, that's that's my, that's my local county fair. That's going to be my pick of the week. So oh. in, instead of state fairs, you just go to county yeah, fairs. Yeah, um, So that's that's my that's my. I, I'm actually not going to the Lucas County Fair. There is a woodworking thing that I'm going to in Adrian, <laughs> Michigan, uh, on Father's Day. I'm just going to go there as a spectator. Uh, but mm. uh, I think it's called the the Great Lakes Woodworking something something or other. I don't know. Anyway, I'll be there. I'll be wandering around in disguise. With a white cowboy With hat. a white cowboy hat. And my actual pick of the week is... Where'd it go? Where'd it go? Last night I watched an interview with Rick Rubin on 60 Minutes. And that dude mm. is the most oh, chill yeah. dude you will ever find yeah. in the history of, of people. I listened. Did you listen to his interview with Jimmy Iovine? No. I don't know what, what podcast it was. There's a podcast that he does, and him and Jimmy Iovine had a long conversation about 
just the history of music and hip hop and this great. Yeah. Jimmy Iovine's always an interesting interview, and together they're amazing. Yeah, uh, Rick, he's so like he was a party dude back in the day, and then he's completely transformed with meditation and and uh, everything he's into now. But he's like he's produced Slayer, LL Cool J, Johnny Cash. Like Johnny it's Cash. it's bonkers, yeah. In that interview, he said LL Cool J sent him a demo tape, a 16-year-old kid from Queens. Yeah. And he, can you imagine he met LL Cool J when he was 16 and he with a demo tape? basically put Public Enemy on the map. Oh, okay. He heard some sort of mm -hmm. radio jingle and sought out the dude who did the the rap and the radio jingle, which happened to be Chuck D. And like, yeah. And, wow. and then Slayer. Like he went from hip hop and then like to Slayer, that which makes absolutely no sense, but makes all the sense. Well, Johnny like Cash, Nine Inch Nails, Johnny Cash. Yeah, um, yeah. There's been a bunch of people. It's pretty wild. Metallica, I think. Jimmy, what you got? Uh, I'm gonna. Everyone keeps asking me on the on the backside of things if uh, uh, Keith Rutger is working on my four foot. Uh, cap cap uh, capacity bandsaw, which was like 12 foot tall bandsaw, the wheels are four feet in diameter. It was a bandsaw for a caboose factory in Waycrush, Georgia. And about a year and a half ago, probably going on two years now, Keith was contacted by the man who bought the building that was dilapidated. And these two bandsaws were in there. And so Keith mentioned to me, does anybody you know want these? I said, I do. So I made a fast deal with the gentleman, just a few hundred dollars because they were just so big. And Keith's like, I have a great idea. I'll recover them for you, bring them to my place, which was in his vicinity, and I'll restore one of them. And we haven't talked about money. He says, don't worry about the money. I just want the content. And so he's restoring. And he goes, I don't want the bandsaws. I just want the content. So he's going to restore one of them to working condition, which is looking beautiful, by the way. He's got about 12 or 13 videos up since he started it. And one video might be just how to pull a wheel off or just how to relay the mandrel or something. They're very specific to various different parts of the restoration. So check out Keith Rutgers' channel, Vintage, Vintage Machinery, and you'll see him doing the series on the bandsaw, which I will ultimately take possession of. And like everybody's like, oh, I got a big bandsaw. My bandsaw has got three foot diameter wheels. This one's got four foot diameter wheels. Whoa. Yeah. Cool. It's the wheels are so big that you need to. It's a Faye and Egan brand for the tool nerds out there. And the wheel has to go through the floor a little bit. So you need to cut out like a notch. So you need an arc in the floor that goes to the. They have the castings, that's the two feet, and the, the arc of the bottom wheel comes down below. So you'd need to set a spot up in the floor or just have it up on big blocks and then a set of stairs in front of it to step up to it. Wow. Which is probably how I'll do it. Yeah. You even bandsaw, bro? <laughs> do you even bandsaw? Yeah. That's not unless you have a wheel that goes into the floor. Oh, and I, I also wanted to just to make this official announcement. July 1st is the racetrack event at my go-kart track. So if anybody in the Northeast or anybody in the world wants to come and july 1st it's the saturday before july 4th and that's when it is either hang out with me or hang out with your family that's your choice man <laughs> yeah no because everybody wants to like can you move it to another day when i don't have to have hamburgers with my family <laughs> the hardcore the hardcore yeah. go-kart heads will be there and i bought parts to start making my go-kart i have 
four weeks to make everything in my whole life. So one of those four things, one of those many things is the go-kart. I'm making a go-kart kind of old school with like kind of, I got these cool wheels from Harbor, not Harbor Freight, but uh, Tractor Supply. They're like spoked wheels. So it's going to be kind of look, it's going to look like an old, like something in the, in the realm of like the first generation of automobile, kind of like a flat plank of wood with like four big wheels. And yeah, I was going to go electric, but I don't know. I think I'm just going to go gas. It's easy. Cool. Right on. Um, mine is a, <clears throat> a YouTube course that was recommended to me, and I just started going through it last night, so I'm not very far in, but it's um, a course by Colin and Samir, who do great videos, and it's all about them teaching storytelling, and it was just one of those things that looked... I like their videos, and it looked like it'd be beneficial, so I started going through it, and it's got some really cool exercises to do some of the stuff that we talked about today about audience and story and um it was pretty cheap too i think it was like 80 bucks you know for two and a half hours of video about storytelling (coughs) oh bless you oh my god i just unmuted myself to cough sorry (laughs) could have heard what i was doing when i was muted well anyway so i did that course or i got that course i've just started it i like it so far so if you're interested, go check that out. I'm t- I, I apologize for always hijacking your picks every single week, but I love Colin and Samir. And yesterday on their main channel, they put out an interview with two of the Try Guys. And we watch the Try Guys every once in a while. And I'm like, oh, I'll just sit back and this will just be, it's like a two hour long interview. And it, I learned so much from that interview. They talk about storytelling and they talk about there's a section of this where they talk about storytelling a lot and they reveal of like not everything is shown on the video happened in a linear time they will move things around to have a, a, a flow of ups and downs that doesn't take away from what they're doing but it gives the story a little bit more oomph and it was very interesting. It's it's movie magic, but it makes total sense. I don't know if check out Bob's pick, and then there all of Colin Samir's interviews are just fantastic, and it's very insightful. Cool. Hmm. All right, well, let's go do the after show because I want to tell you about my plasma table. Oh boy! Thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you. Thank oh, you. Boy. Thank you. We'll everybody. catch you next time. Love you.